If you're a North Korean news aficionado like me, you probably came across the NK News website well before discovering the podcast. It's an incredible source that gets you behind the headlines to give you what's probably the most reliable and evidence-based news on North Korea. Every business day, you'll get between 5 to 10 articles that provide exclusive news, detailed analysis, and informed opinions. And guess what? Each week, they send you forward-looking week-ahead briefings and news alerts to keep you ahead of the curve. There's more. NK News members also get special reader-only benefits, access to exclusive events and online conferences, and perpetual access to our archive of podcasts. And here's the best part. You can get a $100 discount on your annual subscription with the code PODCAST. Redeem this podcast-only special today by visiting nknews.org discount. That's nknews.org discount. and welcome to the NK News Podcast. And today I'm talking to my colleague Shreyas, one of the wonderful reporters at NK News and NK Pro. And uh, Shreyas, what's, uh, what have you been watching this week? Well, it's been an active period in North Korea, everything yeah. ranging from rumors of imminent reopenings to typhoons to... I know. <laughs> I feel like we've been doing rumors of reopening uh, every week for the last month or so. A bit like the old you know, rumors of imminent collapse. But it seems that we may be closer. Well, I mean, of course, we, we have to be closer to a reopening, but uh, it seems that the rumors may be more substantial this week. Uh, what can you say about that? Oh, well, sure seems like that. Uh, so, Korea Tours, tour group which specializes in organizing travel to North Korea, mm. on its website on Thursday that the North Korean borders are expected to open soon for North Korean citizens to return, which could include their overseas workers, business. Yep people, diplomats, others who have been stranded in other countries for, well, pretty much three and a half years. Yeah. Now, this isn't the first time there have been rumors like this. Those similar rumors last August, but Korea Tour seems much more confident at the moment. They say they've heard from multiple sources that this right. is likely to happen soon. Yeah. And I guess for me, what makes it sound a little bit more feasible is that number one, Cordio Tours has a very, very long track record of taking tours to North Korea, more than 20 years. And what that means is that they therefore have strong connections with people inside North Korea that they can contact, not just in the KITC, but I think in the whatever the ministry is in charge of tourism there. Uh, and the other thing is that here we have a named company, Cordio Tours, coming out and making a statement rather than earlier this year, there were some Chinese travel agencies that weren't named in the media reporting. And so it was hard to check back. But in this case, we actually have a name and we've got uh, a quote in the story by Chad O'Carroll, a quote from um, Simon Cockrell, the general manager of Cordia Tour. So this this seems like it, it may be a bit more reliable. Of course, time will tell. And as I've been telling people, I'll believe it when I see it, when I see bus loads and train loads of and plane loads of North Koreans heading back. That's when I will believe that step by step, the North Korean government is uh, thinking of reopening the border. As for tourism, I st I'm still convinced that that's quite far down the list of priorities. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, definitely. I think uh, pretty much for the moment, first priority is get North Koreans back yeah. into the country, maybe at some point open to diplomats, international yeah. organizations and uh, civil society organizations. And then once yeah. all that is set at some point in the future, they may be willing to reopen to tourists. But yeah. we don't know. And frankly, even 
this initial opening, they've just said it'll happen soon. They haven't given right. a date. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if, well, let's let's call it a soft prediction so that I can walk it back if I need to, uh, that probably the earliest one could expect to see large-scale tourism back to North Korea again, I imagine would be in time for the marathon and Kim Il-sung's birthday in April 2024, probably not before then. That would make sense, certainly, as a possible time frame. But yeah, all remains to be seen. Yeah. All right. Well, now let's talk about the uh, the typhoon. We had Typhoon Kunan here racing up the Korean peninsula all the way from south to north last week. And it seems yeah. that, that North Korea, I don't know whether you can say that they've learned from other countries, but they've certainly, they, they really pulled out all the stops to cover the typhoon in terms of news coverage, TV coverage, right? Yeah, the, North Korea has always been a little more proactive when it comes to warning of natural disasters, sometimes perhaps even doing it when it's not entirely necessary, just because from their point of view, it's uh, the angle, the the a couple of different aspects that they like to prioritize. One, they need obviously need to make sure that their citizens are ready. Right. Uh, two, they want to make, uh, make sure that there's no major damage to how they operate so agriculture economic operations etc and perhaps most significantly just to make it look like the leadership is always active and doing something right but by those standards i would say in this case they were more proactive than usual uh with regular updates even overnight coverage or yep. reporters being sent for on the ground reporting yep. and yeah this is where, yeah, exactly. That last part is where I was thinking of, it looks like someone's been watching Western TV or South Korean television, because these are such familiar images from uh, Western and South Korean TV that when there's a storm on, they send out an intrepid reporter wearing a raincoat, carrying an umbrella, standing in gale force winds and speaking live to camera uh, about the winds and the rain. And the North Koreans did that. So if you listeners, if you go to uh, NK News Story by our, our colleague uh, Anton Sokolin on August 11th, You'll find the, the title, North Korean TV pulls all-nighter covering Typhoon Kanun, warns of flooding. And there's some great still shots there from North Korean TV of the reporters out there holding the umbrella and, yeah. and a microphone and, and, and talking about it. Uh, although, I mean, the, the, uh, the typhoon did weaken as it was climbing up the peninsula. So by the time it got into North Korea, there really wasn't much rain left, was there? No, not really. Yeah, I think definitely South, South Korea perhaps uh, got the brunt of it. Yeah. Uh, but by the time it got to North Korea, it certainly seems to have lessened. But with given the country's lower level of infrastructure, you'd certainly say that even a weaker typhoon would still be something uh, for right. concern. So you can understand why they would make such a big deal about it. And in fact, I think we mentioned the reporters the last time that they send them out in the field on camera coverage was three years ago. So ah. I mean, that's it's about right. how big a deal this was. Also in this story is a great screenshot from the North Korean uh, Central Television of the director at the State Hydro Meteorological Administration, uh, Mr. Dokgo Hyokchol, wearing what I consider to be a quite natty uniform for North Koreans. It, it's got, you know, it's kind of a, a typical grey uniform of a civil servant, but with this almost indigo coloured collar and tie and cuffs. I mean, you can't quite say cuffs because they're short sleeves. But anyway, it, it's quite a great photograph. I encourage people to go and have a look at that. Oh, definitely. Yeah, they're definitely quite the uniform. It is quite the uniform. Now, I met, on the South Korean TV last week, they had a woman reporter out there uh, on the coast with a helmet 
in North Korea, I didn't see any helmets, just uh, raincoats and, and umbrellas. No reports of any injuries, as far as I can tell, on reporting on the typhoon. Yeah, it does not seem uh, to be that way so far, but there was certainly damage in yeah. areas enough to for the North Korean leader himself to go out, make a visit to the East Coast to right. check out flooded uh, farmlands and uh, do the very traditional North Korean thing of blaming officials, lower level officials, not doing enough. Yeah, that, that's tough. Yeah, that's a, a story there by Collins Worker published on the 14th of August uh, titled uh, yeah. North Korean leader blames, quote unquote, irresponsible officials for typhoon damage. Uh, tell us more about that. Why is that a North Korean tradition to go in and, and blame irresponsible local officials for failing to prevent problems? I mean, this is a natural disaster. Well, uh, there are two, two parts to this. One is that Obviously, it has to, you have to show that the leader is hands-on uh, with making sure everything is going right, uh, the providing on-the-spot guidance, as it were, right. to uh, tell everyone how things should be done. But yeah. at the same time, it's about absolving the leader of responsibility for what goes wrong. Right. So the blame has to be shifted to lower officials, local officials, who are, in this case, as you said, North Korean media frame them as irresponsible, not doing mm. enough to prepare for the typhoon. and essentially, yeah, leading to damage in the farmlands and other important areas along the coast. Since North Korea is such a, a top-down system of government, I, I really wonder whether the these local so-called irresponsible officials, whether they wear that responsibility or whether they feel that they're, they're being unjustly criticised. Well, one would think that probably they know they have little choice in the matter at the end of the day, whether or not they feel they uh, they deserve to be criticised. Yeah. They know that someone has to pay that price and it has to be them rather than the leader. And I think the days of absolute unwavering loyalty to the leader are perhaps long gone, but still the leader is uh, reign supreme and they know that. Right. Yeah, we've got a couple of quotes in that story by Collins Worker, the quotes from uh, Peter Ward, uh, NK Pro contributor and expert on the North Korean economy. He said that, quote, disaster preparedness is not a strong point of North Korean officialdom, uh, and he says, I'm sure that there is plenty of blame to go around, and Pyongyang has a lot more money and capacity generally. Why is it that disaster preparedness is not a strong point, I wonder, of North Korean officialdom? Again, since it's such a, a top-down, almost militaristic society, you know, everything's divided into groups, and everyone works for the government, why, why would they not be better at preparing for disasters like typhoons or monsoons or things like that yes you, you would especially given the kind of emphasis they place every year on yeah. the need to prepare for disasters the need to mitigate damage you'd certainly think that that would be a bigger uh factor but at the you'd think that but perhaps at the end of the day it comes down to the fact that they do they have limited resources and what little they do they try and concentrate in and around pyongyang where the uh. elite live the further out you go even in areas that they would frame as crucial for other needs, for example, farmlands, mines, etc. Even those areas wouldn't necessarily get the same level of importance. Yeah. So they're not getting the resources. Obviously, the response won't be as good. The preparedness will not be as good. And then all you can do is just shift to a propaganda approach, glorify right. the leader, blame others. Yeah, that is sad. Now, another uh, story uh, by our colleague Collins Wirko on the 14th of August. Kim Jong-un inspects short-range nuke and rocket factories to arm front lines. And this is a great uh, story for weapons and military systems geeks because there are plenty of photographs and even a short clip taken from the Rodong Shinmun and other places, uh, Korea Central Television, 
showing yeah. Kim Jong-un at this factory. What really stood out for you? Well, I think perhaps the fact that it is part of a recurring theme, effectively, yeah. in recent weeks. Because on this mm. occasion, he listed four factories, according to media reports, everything from uh, tactical missiles, uh, short in, including short-range nuclear missiles, uh, to the transport erector uh, launch vehicles, right. the, which often uh, perhaps are even more significant engineering marvels in terms of how North Korea decides to launch its many missiles. So all these are quite significant, but it, uh, all this also follows a similar visit to five factories a week earlier. And in the meantime, there was also a Central Military Commission meeting where Kim Jong-un was pictured pointing at a map of South Korea, essentially mm. preparing them for war footing. And this messaging of we are producing all this, uh, all these weapons, we're preparing for potentially the next level of conflict. It is, a lot of it is about sending that message. Right. Yeah, I'm always interested to see just sort of the little details in the photographs that are often overlooked, like the propaganda signs in the background or or maps of South Korea, as you say. There was, uh, there's one photograph that people will see here about halfway down the article, which talks about the, the enemies and the South Korean puppet government will be wiped away on the field of war. But the, the top photograph is really quite striking. So you've got Kim Jong-un standing in front of a, a launch vehicle for the Hwasong 11B short-range ballistic missile. And everything is shown in good focus, except for some reason, there's a man in the foreground whose whole face is blurred out with that mosaic pixelated um, feature. And you wonder why, why would they, you know, is that man's identity a secret? Why would they be hiding his face? Everything else is shown. Yeah, it it, it can be not going censorship can uh, and blurring can often be rather selective in yeah. curious ways and sometimes there's a pattern to it maybe not wanting to give away too much but other times like this it just feels a little more random there are other photos in the same article as well for example someone showing Kim riding around in an armored personnel carrier he and another senior official shown clearly and then there are two other people riding on the same vehicle right. whose face blurred and it just yeah. looks kind of strange that's right. Yes. Yeah, so there's a great photographs of yeah, Kim driving the armored personnel carrier around. Yeah. And as you say, there's two men, one standing on top and one sort of crouching on the top of the armored vehicle whose faces are uh, not shown. It's certainly an interesting article. And you wonder about the allocation of resources. I mean, certainly while we, we just mentioned a few minutes ago that North Korean disaster preparedness is not good, but their preparations for war seem to be of another order of magnitude entirely. Definitely. And, uh, and certainly I think it might be interesting to see what is to come in the coming months. Certainly, as South Korea and the US and possibly Japan turn to more joint exercises, that usually does prompt right. North Korea to release some of these weapons, as just as they did last year in a flurry around October and November. So, might be worth watching to see how they act in the coming months following Absolutely. these reports. Yeah, for sure. It always fascinates me looking at these sort of uh, factory photographs and the things that North Korea turns out, like you mentioned, the transporter elect erector launches that you might think that, well, it's really just a, a long truck. What's the big deal? But as you mentioned, there are some engineering hurdles to overcome. And, and normally uh, in the past years, we've seen these things have been imported from China and then repurposed. But uh, here's North Korea seemingly building these things of its own technology. What I'm wondering, I guess, is this all done with 
kind of labor intensive, you know, manpower heavy factory work, or has North Korea brought in technologies that uh, that we're not aware of? I mean, well, I suppose the most we can realistically do is speculate about this, but. In general, you'd say that North Korea has had a lot of these capabilities for a while. A lot of them, what uh, they originally got from what early, well, previously the Soviet Union and yeah. China. Uh, the, so that knowledge and the initial foundation they laid very early on. And some things they've continued to bring in along the way over the last few decades. But a lot of other things they've tried to figure out how to develop on their own, uh, how to put together. Certainly, some technologies, some components would be much harder, and you'd, one would suspect that they may be getting those from elsewhere. I think not just for this, but let's say even for the satellite launch earlier this year, you'd say there's no way they had everything available in-house. But certainly, they've developed these capabilities, for example, manufacturing these transporter electric launchers. Yeah. They've, these factories have been established for a long time. So right. along the way, they've built up their resources and their capabilities. That's true. But even like building uh, missiles and nuclear warheads, I mean, is this something, is this dangerous for the for the factory workers? I don't imagine they're working with the uh, the most up-to-date, um, you know, robot-controlled, uh, remote-controlled technology. I, I, I think that there's a good possibility that people are getting too close to stuff that's dangerous here. I think that's probably true for most weapons factories everywhere, but particularly uh-huh. in North Korea, where it's, you're certainly not uh, working at, uh, of necessarily of your own will. It's more about serving the leadership's goals. You probably, I think their lives are perhaps a little more uh, at stake than, or at least they're a little more at risk in some ways, because yeah. it's, um, I'm not going to say it matters less, but certainly the focus is way much on what the leader wants rather right. than their safety. Right. Yeah, fair point. And, and as you uh, hinted at or mentioned already, uh, this week we've got the Ulchi Freedom Shield joint military exercises starting with uh, US and South Korean forces uh, combined yes. uh, working together. And we will, you know, North Korea has made some some statements. And so we can, we'll be watching keenly to see how they react to these military exercises this week. Thanks for coming on the show today, Shreyas Reddy, and uh, stick around because after this break, we will be talking to, or I'll be talking to, two gentlemen from the UniKorea Foundation about North Korea's counterfeits, production of fake luxury goods, uh, mainly for sale inside, but some for uh, sale overseas. Thanks very much, Shreyas. Thank you. Let me ask you this. You're listening to the NK News podcast, so you know more about North Korea than most. But how about the South? To really understand what's happening on the peninsula, you need to know about South Korea. And now you can through our new Korea Pro news and analysis service. This is not your average news service. It's a thoroughly researched analysis of South Korea's politics, society and economy from an international perspective. But you know what the cherry on top is? The absolute lack of commercial influences. No ads, no sponsored articles. It's just pure objective analysis by a team of qualified specialists. And the best part? As a listener of this podcast, you get a 25% discount. All you have to do is use the coupon code PODCAST during your sign-up. So head over to careerpro.org slash podcast and start your journey with CareerPro. That's careerpro.org slash podcast. For this week's feature interview, I'm joined in the NK News studio by two men from UniKorea, 
Secretary General Chon Byung Gil. You can find the Uni Korea Foundation on Twitter at Uni Korea FDN. And their website is at tongilnanum. We'll put the uh, link on the website, tongilnanum.com. And we also have a, a second person, that's Kim Tede, who is program manager at the Uni Korea Foundation. And you can find him on Twitter at Tere, that's T-A-E-R-A-E, Kim, all one word. And uh, we'll put that link in the show notes as well. Welcome uh, on the show, Pyonggil and Tere. Thank you for coming. Uh, thank you for inviting us. Yeah. Th- thank you for having us. Yeah. My pleasure. Yeah, Over four years ago, in March 2019, I interviewed your former colleague, uh, Holly Gang, who at that time was the uh, International Programs Manager at the UniKorea Foundation. And she talked about uh, the origin and the work of UniKorea. For those people who, who didn't listen, I would uh, encourage you to go back and, and hear about uh, the basics of the UniKorea Foundation. But can you uh, tell us a little bit how has UniKorea changed or developed over the last four years since March 2019? What changed? Yes. Okay. What changed? Uh, first, uh, there is no more Holy Gang in, yeah, in our piece. Big change. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Holly is uh, having a happy time in New York City uh, with her her husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have been the many changes in our organizations over the past few years. Like everywhere else, we had a hard time with COVID. The most activities have switched to uh, non-face-to-face and online, but there were also positive changes. We tried to various things online. Mm-hmm. So we will experience the time and space being overcome. We seem to have us interact more with the foreign experts and the Korean diaspora abroad. Of course, we did the programs with uh, local people uh, so from the Seoul in Korea. Mm-hmm. So as much as the uh, world has changed, so have we. So can you tell us some activities that the organization is doing now that it wasn't doing before the pandemic uh, three and a half years ago? Oh, as I mentioned before, mm-hmm. so we have a, a lot more so activities online. To add to that, uh, we opened a program to meet up the, with the up-and-coming Korean researchers and foreign scholars. Previously, Korean researchers went to the United States and Europe to meet experts, and the foreign experts uh, had to come to Korea. Yeah. So on the contrary, at that time, the language barriers was very uh, big problems mm-hmm. uh, because Korean had uh, a hard time uh, using English. Korea had a hard, uh, yeah, yeah. But and the online conference solved that uh, problems of space and times. The difficulty languages communications uh, was overcome to some extent by using the interpreters in the, but using the is uh, internet. Our foundation is uh, conducting a conference for CSIS, it's uh, beyond the parallel, and the Sorry No System Centers, and other advanced Korean scholars in the United States. It's a change of the, our organizations. It's a, it's a symbolic uh, programs. Yeah. Uh, now that pandemic is is more or less over, it's no longer a a threat. Are you still continuing with a lot of online events, or have you moved back to offline events now? Yeah. So we uh, now is is going to the uh, endemics and uh, some. We mix some hybrid systems. Mm-hmm. I mean, some, sometimes we prepare the online systems. Sometimes we prepare the offline systems. But like it's, it's, uh, it's a process of the big thing that uh, is uh, online and offline. I see. Okay. Yeah. And now the Uni Korea Foundation was uh, set up uh, under the administration of President Park Geun-hye to prepare for Korea's unification after the 
uh, Moon Jae-in administration, it doesn't seem like there is much hope for unification of Korea in the near-term future. Has this changed your mission at all? Well, we have been a non-partisan organization and have not changed our mission depending on the South Korean government. It is possible because we are a private sector organization that does not receive any government funding to carry out our mission. It's also because our board members strive to be fair and transparent in their decision making. However, looking at the trend of the project we fund in our grant programs, the mission and message of the proposals has changed slightly with each change of South Korean government policy. So it is a kind of natural phenomenon for private sector organizations to be influenced by government policies, and it has both good and bad points. The bad point first is that organizations that are applying for our grant program had been manipulated by South Korean government policies. The good point is that it can help them to keep changing or bringing innovation. Okay, let's uh, talk about a paper that you both worked on recently and, uh, and published. Uh, the title of this paper is A Study of Brand Imitation in North Korea, Focusing on Brand Elements. People can find it in the Journal of uh, Peace and Unification, Volume 13, Number 2. I think we'll put a link in the show notes. It's all about North Korean imitations of South Korean and foreign brands, something that we here at NK News have reported on before. For instance, there's the article by uh, Chad O'Carroll in December last year entitled North Korean Copy of South Korea's Fire Chicken Ramen Shown at Pyongyang Food Fair. And there's also Collins Werko's article uh, the month before in November 2022 entitled Minions Knock Off Chanel virtual mirror North Korea holds women's fashions expo. So we actually have uh, over the years looked a lot about this. The fact that North Korea, despite openly hating both South Korea and the West, and also condemning capitalism and commercialism, actually takes some inspiration from or copies completely commercial products and packaging from those countries. This is, of course, nothing new. But what did you two discover in your research that was new or surprising? In North Korea, brand imitation cases were mainly focused on improving inferior designs rather than the competition in the domestic market. It took the form of borrowing the designs of foreign brands for domestic products. First, North Korea has been actively copying brands since 2014 under socialist economic system. And actually, second, North Korea imitated many brands of South Korean groceries, such as food, confectionery, and beverage. The copying practice in North Korea have mainly focused on improving the quality and design of inferior products. Now, when you talk about the design, are you talking about product design or packaging design or both? So both. Those are actually included in the six, six kinds of brand elements. Mm -hmm. So brand, like brand packaging, logos, and others that are all included in the brand elements. And actually, North Koreans are copying in those sectors. Okay. And what was the motivation behind your doing this research and publishing it? Was this a, a Unicorea project or something that you both did uh, in your free time? Actually, the inspiration for this research has arisen with Pyongil Zhang, uh, but to my long-standing interest in North Korean life, it was not a Unicorea project, actually. Ah, okay. Yeah. And how and where did you find these uh, North Korea-made products that you included uh, as case studies in your paper? Oh, it's difficult questions. Uh, it's difficult to obtain data uh, related to North Korea, especially in South Korea. 
We don't officially have access to websites run by North Korea. Mm. The South Korean authorities have blocked it. Yes. So we also can't read North Korean books or North Korean newspapers properly. So when I went to Taiwan last week, I could access North Korean websites without mm. any difficulties. It's only in South Korea where it is hard to access. Uh, this time, our study is based on the previously reported data. Mm-hmm. It has taken a strategy to find North Korean law materials in various ways. North Korean goods were identified in the data reported in South Korean or international news, such as uh, NK News. Oh, so yeah, some yeah, of them yeah, were yeah, objects yeah, that yeah, we yeah, or products that yeah, we yeah, reported on yeah, previously. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for example, the news about school supplies yeah. comes out every spring in new semesters. It figure out the items that are related to the school bag and notebook. And every year, March 8th, the World Women's Day in North Korea is 국제 분여절. And the World Women's Day is almost a holiday in North Korea. As currently, uh, there are many reports on the cosmetics uh-huh. and women's clothing and shoes, etc. And when we get information about uh, women's products, yeah. So, and we prepared to a lot of the WIPO data, WIPO was the intellectual property organizations. Mm-hmm. You can see the, the North Korean system by uh, looking at the North Korean trademark registered in the WIPO. Ah. You can infer from the, the brand name to the it's a business content. Mm-hmm. And you can read the concerns of the North Koreans uh, uh, in the government. Okay, so you only had uh, photographs and names of products and brands. You didn't actually have the real products themselves. Is that correct? Yeah. Right. Now, you uh, divided the products into two categories, uh, what you call low-involvement products and high-involvement products. What exactly does that mean? Uh, This is uh, probably the questions you're most curious about. Uh, So let me give you some examples. Uh, Buying a bag of chips and the car are both purchased, mm-hmm. uh, but the, the level of involvement is different. The effort you put into buying a bag, is, bag of chips is different from the effort you put into the buying a car. Cars are the expensive commodity, uh, so you are going to want to the, think about it more. Mm-hmm. Above all, the effort is, is different. You might go to the store to buy a snack, but uh, instead of the snacks, you buy the candy or ice creams, or you might buy a bag of the sweet, and you don't really consider the reputation of the people around you. You just buy what you like. But it's, it is different when you're buying a car. Uh, you consider the price and the fuel, fuel economy, and design, etc. And you, can, you cannot ignore the reputation of the car brand. You can probably tell what's low engagement is was uh, high engagement. There is a difference of the uh, low involvement and the high involvement. So is it a, another way to say uh, a cheap product versus an expensive product? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's right. It's a cheap and uh, as expensive product is, uh, some, is another meaning of some mm-hmm. high involvement and the low involvement. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, can you tell us about one specifically interesting example of a North Korean low involvement product that is a copycat as you know as you report <laughs> yes choco pie <laughs> yeah yeah you know choco pie is a uh, choco pie is a very popular uh, is a snack in the south korea 
And also is a, also is a popularized in the North Korea. Uh, but in the in the 2004, in the Kaesong complex industry, Kaesong Kaesong industrial complex in North Korea opens. That time, in the many is a choco pie is a moved to the, the in North Korea in the just in the North Korea's uh, just in the South Korea as companies and they are uh, supplied that is as a, just a snack as a just and and they are uh, of that and it's also is very popular in North Korea. The some uh, is a North Korean's company is a maybe is a Gumkop Cheogin Shinyogongjang Gold Cup is a mm-hmm. uh, um, is a food company. Uh, they copied that is a choco pie and that created as in the North Korean version uh, chocolate to the chocolate dansolgi. That means it's the same. It's uh, some uh, many uh, North Korean peoples and they uh, uh, have a uh, is a, a take a is a chocolate dansolgi than the South Korean chocolate. Choco pie is also chocolate choco pie in the chocolate dancergi. Chocolate dancergi is copied that South Korea is mm-hmm. uh, a chocolate pie. It's a, that is a symbolized uh, copycat issue of the North Korea. It's just that uh, low involvement. Right. Yeah. Now, can you tell us uh, about an object or a product that is a, especially an interesting example of a North Korean high involvement product? High involvement is a high price product. But then the, there are not much high price product in North Korea. Just then they are copied design. Yeah, it's a real, it's a purchasing, uh, it's a, the, the, not goods for purpose purchasing. And this is in the, that there is a existence in the just standards for design as copycat, like uh, some such as uh, luxury goods. It's, a, it's a, some perfumes, mm, some, perfumes, some yes, okay. cosmetics. So Dior and the Burberry bags, mm-hmm. it's like uh, they are just uh, not buying, not selling. Just then they also make some for a design copy, for, for what, display. What, what do you mean they're not buying or selling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe as many North Korean, North Korean is a designer, they are study, just then the catalog from the abroad. Uh-huh. They, they are the drawing, the, just as just the train, for training. Right. And they make some, that have a, they make some goods for, for their for training. And they also so just display for their uh, making some is the bags, making some perfume is a bottle, and some they just make so that goods for for their training, not selling, not buying. So it's for a kind of practice. You're yeah, saying. yeah, yeah. But for, if, for but, displaying, yeah. But if we see the photograph in a yeah, yeah, in yeah. an article, then yeah, doesn't yeah. that mean that it's a product that's available for sale? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's uh, every year's uh, Pyongyang department store, mm-hmm. and they hold us some and. the one is exhibition show for the cosmetic and bags. That time, so many North Korean factory they are displayed for the made day itself. I think it's a not self, just for display. Mm. Yeah, but then some South Korean media and North Korea some international media mm-hmm. just then they are is just send a, 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 a just a report that use. Oh, uh, some North Korean is uh, is company is some um, makers copycat is uh, mm. uh, some imitation bre- imitation goods. I think I know I know just it's for it's a goods for display. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now, is this brand copycat phenomenon something that is unique to North Korea, or is it something that we can see in other developing countries? Yeah, yeah. Well, the scope of our research was limited to North Korea, so we haven't had a chance to cover other dev- developing like countries. Still, we can answer to the best of our knowledge. In Southeast Asia, brand copycats imitate the ones that can distinguish brands like logos and trademarks. Mm-hmm. For example, 
they imitate the Apple logo and make the pro make the products and sell as if they are authentic Apple products. And brand copies copycats often copy the product characteristics of a foreign brand, such as logos and trademarks, and sell them as if they are genuine products of the foreign brand. In contrast, in North Korea, brand copycats imitate the foreign brand and sell them sell them as if the products are that of North Korea. And for example, yeah. So that, that's quite a, a different approach then, right? So you're saying that in other countries, in other developing economies, copycat brands are used to, to make money to fool customers into believing that these are the original Apple or Nike or Adidas or whatever brands. But in North Korea, the, either they're not sold, as yes. uh, Pyongyang just said, or if they are sold, they're sold as a, a local North Korean brand without using the name of the original brand like Chanel or Dior or whatever that is. Yes, yeah, so, so it may be implied by the North Korean authorities that they'd like to show mm -hmm. themselves in the domestic market and into the like out to the world that yeah. they can do everything in like their own market. Mm -hmm. yeah. And how has the use of brands, logos and fonts and things like that changed since the beginning of Kim Jong-un's leadership? Well, in the middle of Kim Jong-un era, uh, until year like 2023 was a turning point for North Korean brand imitation. North Korea has been uh, imitating brands since 2014 through its socialist corporate responsibility management, Saiju system, and there exist knockoff products before that, but they were just replicas. They're like, however, introducing the socialist corporate responsibility system in 2014 mm -hmm. brought about a significant change in brand imitation. As enterprises in North Korea started to compete to each other in North Korea, and North, Korea, North Korean business became more interested in registering trademarks to like, set themselves apart and actively started copying brands. Can you tell us more about this uh, social corporate responsibility management system? What, what's its purpose? What is its function? What, what's it there for? So it's like many enterprises in North Korea, they have kind of like obligations or rights to much more freely than they were kind of like controlled by North Korean authorities. So what's the purpose of the system? Uh, it's the social corporate responsibility systems is Saiji of Taegun Galizes, North Korea says. Yes, uh, I think it's um, in 2015, North Korea amended the business entrepreneurial law uh, to implement a social corporate responsibility management systems, a method, for, a method of the enterprise management. The socialist corporate responsibility management system is a method of the corporate management in which factories, enterprise, and corporates have actual management right. It's a have actual management right. It's based on the socialist ownership of the productions and the creativity carry out enterprise activities, fulfill their duties. Before that uh, is North uh, Korea Party, Nodongdang and the state, and ensure that the workers fulfill their responsibility uh, and the role is in the production as management. The management right granted to enterprise in the socialist corporate response management system include the expand planning right, production organization right, and the management organizations, management organizations, and the labor control right, and the development right, the quality control right, and the talent management right, and the trade and cooperation right, joint venture right, and the financial management right, and the right to set price to sell products. 
In other words, the right to management to business of the enterprise is given to the enterprise and the enterprise actual exercise to right to management the business. Since the implementations of the socialist enterprise actual actual um, accountability system is a business activity have become the more is concerned so with uh, is identified to the needs of the population selling their product and the needs of the brand to distinguish their products has increased increased there is a definition of the in the dictionary the social list uh, is a a socialist uh, corporate responsibility uh, management. I think is uh, in short, the purpose of the is the socialist corporate management responsibility management system. Uh, the purpose is very important. North Korea government they don't no longer uh, have a responsibility to run the corporate in the uh, nationwide, and they have uh, given some end of. Freely light of theirs, some in the North Korea is incorporate corporations for so, and North Korean is a corporate and is based on based on that and the new law. The North Korean the is corporations loan by is by itself just in the in the limited range for that and those those Korean is those Korean corporates and through that and those Korean corporations and they in the state uh, by itself uh, purpose of uh, true purpose of the is a uh, purpose of the uh, is a saijikyo kalize and the socialist corporate responsibility management in the some north korean government uh, they have a no longer as management as uh, all uh, companies of the nationwide just and for to maintain their systems and uh, give some right to Run corporate, running co- run corporate freely. It's a the corporate itself. Yeah, right. So, so, it, yeah. so it sounds like basically the the North Korean government is uh, uh, giving the the right and the authority yeah, to yeah, yeah. each individual company to run their own business yeah, yeah, yeah. without instructions from yeah, uh, yeah. from Pyongyang. Yeah. Does North Korea now have a concept of brands that is the same as or similar to how brands are understood in other countries? Well, I think North Korean. Branding concept is kind of like quite very unique in the world. Ah, tell us about that. Yeah, the concept of North Korean branding is that Kim Jong Un cares for his people in North Korea by branding in brands. Say more about that. Uh, which means that he even like cares about logos and packaging, so pro- products what mm-hmm. North Korean consumes because Kim Jong Un and the North Korean authorities uh, actually really like control the branding in North Korea. This is kind of unthinkable in a free country. But when you look at the logos of North Korean brands, there are st- stories in North Korean media that implies the supreme leader of North Korea is directly involved in the making the brand logos mm. or like brand products. Mm-hmm. It's like a Kim Jong-un is giving input into creating the logo or like branding of North Korea. So. So it sounds like, if I understand correctly, it sounds like you're saying that the, the, the actual design of brands, of logos, maybe even the font that is used on the writing, on the packaging, is centrally controlled from Pyongyang. But that seems to go against the idea of the socialist corporate responsibility management system, which is devolving power away from the state to the corporations. Isn't that a contradiction? Well, it's kind of like mixed. Maybe what Pyongyang said that hybrid system of like Unicorea. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of like hybrid 
controlling and kind of free management because for example a uh, Lugyeong kimchi gongjang Lugyeong kimchi factory mm-hmm. has a has a k- trademark which is registered at the WIPO yes. and actually it's known to be it's known to be made by partially by Kim Jong Un and it's been kind of like praising words in the media mm. that uh, he has like generously involved in the like making the brand logo even if like that's true North Korean uh, like factories are trying to make products which can include the trademarks of Lugyeong kimchi factories so it's kind of like mixed Have you made a database of of how many North Korean brands you are aware of? Ah, uh, so yeah, in we actually analyzed the brand logos yeah. which are registered at WIPO, but the number of the exact number of the brands logo mm-hmm. yeah. we did one hundred at the sorties. One hundred and thirty. Yeah, and these are the one hundred and thirty brands which are registered with the WIPO, or yeah, just yeah, already registered in WIPO. Okay, so there are other brands that are not registered with the WIPO. Yeah, right. yes. yeah, maybe uh, every years uh, after the Kim Jong Un take uh, their power, mm-hmm. and uh, every years so eight to ten. Brands are registered in WIPs, ah. and uh, there is uh, some in the, the special process of the WIPs. Every year, North Korea have competitions mm-hmm. of their product in the midst of the, some winners, and uh, they are just in the eight to ten. Just uh, they have the right to register in WIPO. Wow. Okay. I'll come back to. I got some more questions about the WIPO later on, but let's just talk for a moment there about the. Um, we know that North Korea copies some. Grocery products from South Korea. I've already mentioned that. Why copy South Korea? You know, South Korea for so many in North Korean propaganda. South Korea is uh, it's poor. It's a puppet state. It's an American colony. It's all the bad things. Why copy South Korean products? Yeah, I think it's a South Korea, especially South Korea. The Western brand is a is an enemy of North Korea. It's a, it's a officially, but and uh, but South Korea and the Western brand is a. I think it's a dream of the North Korea economy. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Today, the history of the industrial revolutions related to the is a economic revival, economic stories. Also, is a history of the corporate brand in the South Korea. I think is very a uh, deluxe model of uh, some economic growth, and the North Korea also in the in the process of that. Uh, is that there are so many brands and the launches and uh, many brands uh, have a growth. And uh, North Korea, although they don't like South Korea's uh, is uh, is a system and the South Korea's and the activity, but and the, in their heart and the, some and the genius of the some uh, some and the, their life, the chaos, their story, and the, their also and the, so North and South Korea have some same is cultural, uh, is a traditional mm-hmm. and the same emotion. And the uh, uh, same cultural, uh, traditional, on the same and same culture, and the same language, and the same is the habit. In the as a long, long time ago, so we have one, uh, have a the, the nation and the one system. Mm-hmm. So it, it sounds like you're saying that uh, on the one hand, North Korea is uh, is envious of uh, of South Korea and wants to yeah. uh, emulate or copy yeah, 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 South yeah, Korea's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A development path, yeah. but on the other hand, it's also reaching back to common traditions or common culture and common language. So also, the, it is a, it is easy to the copy mm. the same language. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. Now, what about non-Korean Western brands, so European or American brands? Why does North Korea copy those things? Yeah, maybe. Also, as as, as I said, there's some 
they North Korea they don't uh, don't they don't like they hate uh, is officialism and the Western culture is the mm-hmm. Western economy. But then the uh, also the the Jaco already you said they have envious. <laughs> well, yeah, envy of South Korea, but what about America or France or or those kind of countries? Also, the envious and Julius. I yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, no, uh, but uh, yes. I, I'd like to add one thing that sure uh, one thing comes up comes up to my mind mm-hmm. that uh, you, you know the Kim Kim Joo-e, uh, a daughter of Kim Jong Un. Yes, uh, the daughter of Kim Jong Un. Yeah. yeah, is known to wear the very luxurious and expensive clothes. Yeah. Ex- uh, expensive what clothing? Yeah, clothing. Okay. Yeah, and, and are these copies or are these originals? And those are maybe like ex- expected to be the like foreign brands product, mm-hmm. but. Maybe they they don't deny or like acknowledge, but maybe maybe they want to argue that those like luxurious products are actually domestic products. Maybe because because there are like Chanel or Burberry bags mm-hmm. in North Korea. They're like manufactured in the factory of North Korea, so they may want to argue something like that. So I'm not not exactly sure. Have you seen the labels or the brands on the clothing that she wears? Yeah, she wear she she wear the Christian Dior. Okay. Yeah. So it, it it's clearly displaying a, a foreign label. No, no, no. It, the the Christian Dior like copycat was not really disp- displayed officially in I the see. like North Korean market, but okay. there were like copycat of Burberry or mm-hmm. Chanel or Dior. So maybe those plus kind of like example of showing that oh, we are not wearing the foreign brands. Mm-hmm. Those are all like domestic brands. Is there any evidence that North Korea uh, exports uh, these copycat brands to other countries for sale? So I don't know. We don't know where else. In the we are such a something something of North Korea brand, mm-hmm. and we don't have any uh, find some and copycat for for abroad. Right, because I mean I I remember uh, what ten or twenty years ago there were. North Korean made cigarettes, which yeah, yeah, were yeah. copycat Marlboro cigarettes, yeah, 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 yeah. Or, or some brand. There was some American brand mm. of cigarettes, which were being sold internationally as if they were Marlboro or whatever the brand was cigarettes, but they're actually from North Korea. So we have at least one example of, of copycat products exported from North Korea for sale overseas. But you're saying that so far we don't know if North Korea is doing that with clothing or with makeup or co- uh, perfume. Is that right? We don't know because yeah. uh, if they are exporting to other countries, they may exclude uh, their like brand logos. Mm-hmm. Of, like, uh, we just had those some some case of the OEM. Mm. Yeah, originally equipment, originally equal original equipment management. Yes, mm-hmm. but in the Jaco, as you already said, is some in the uh, case of the Marlboro and mm-hmm. the cigarette. You're right, and just in the ten or twenty years ago, that has many. Uh, that happens many things. That there was many happenings about some those Korea some is a bad things of their uh, some is a copycat and some. And nowadays, uh, so we cannot find anything to uh, some case of the copycat, especially mm-hmm. some um, is a grocery is a grocery brand and the other is a daily life brand and some instead of the copycat, uh, they are. Seeking the some and the, uh, development of their own pro- product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like the production of these fake designer goods, like the Burberry bag or the Christian Dior thing, it sounds like that's a sign that North Korean consumers, especially the North Korean Pyongyang middle class consumers. We, we I mean, we're not talking about the consumers in uh, in the countryside or in uh, Jagangdo or uh, you know, these are the Pyongyang people. It's a sign that they're becoming more aspirational. So, but then, uh, so we uh, don't know well. But then, uh, 
Uh, there is some that are little is a possibility to possibility uh, in the some and those Koreans uh, imitation product to export some in the area. So mm-hmm. whether or is true or not, and some those Koreans enough the, their the technology to the copy mm-hmm. and the, some good and the, but and the, but and the, we don't know well the, the loot. Or is, is it possible to or not? And some and uh, if it's possible, uh, also and there are some imitations uh, is a moving route, and, but and uh, we don't know well so it is uh, existent or not. <laughs> now, of course, uh, in the 1980s and 1990s, South Korea was often accused yeah, yeah, of yeah. doing copycat brands, yeah, well, right, yeah, right yeah, brands yeah, yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah, things. Yeah. So, Actually, it, maybe in a way, North Korea is copying South Korea's development history by copying. Uh, making counterfeit brands, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even in recent days, like South Korean high schools and middle schools imitated the like Burberry logo mm. in their like uniforms. Just, ah. just, just maybe not even not not even in a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe North Korean don't like they do that. Then we can do that. So does that mean that that's uh, a part of Korean traditional culture is uh, copying products from other countries? Well, I think in terms of like branding or like making products, copying is also a, a kind of progress mm-hmm. into the creating new things. So maybe like being a copycat is not a really good thing to do, but mm. trying to imitate and like develop their ideas yeah. is a kind of good thing to do, mm. maybe. Yeah. Okay, now going back to WIPO, the World Intellectual Property Organization, you mentioned that about 130 North Korean uh, trademarks, logos, etc. have been registered, and, and each year between 8 to 10 more. Now, isn't this somewhat ironic, given that North Korea copies trademarks and designs and even products from other countries? Uh, yes, maybe some... The registered trademark at WPO, especially uh, is a North Korea brand. In the registered brand, just uh, it's by uh, created by North Korea. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's uh, North Korean authority. They have uh, some willing to the uh, create and their own brand. That is a copyright brand, copy brand, brand copying, and upon. There is uh, some official relationship and the North Korea and the international organizations. And uh, on the contrary, <laughs> the some and the behind the scene mm-hmm. of the, of some the official relationships, and this I think is uh, uh, ironically uh, some it has uh, some possibility to some uh, copywriting as copy brand copying of the many brands and many products of uh, is uh, other countries, but then uh, it's just and uh, both is uh, some different uh, futures, a uh, different a uh, uh, different kind of in the, uh, the brand. There is officially is uh, some registered that is created by its mm-hmm. sounds and some another part is just and uh, trying to copy branding, <laughs> yeah, copy right. branding. So, yeah. so the brands, the uh, the logos and and trademarks that North Korea is registering with Weibo, these are presumably not the copycat brands. Is that right? I yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Did you think that uh, South Korean and Western brands that are being copied, like Christian Dior, like Burberry, like Choco Pie, uh, Orion, could they appeal to Weibo? that their trademarks are being infringed since North Korea clearly is engaging with WIPO, is, is working with WIPO to register its own trademarks. Can companies whose trademarks have been infringed upon appeal to WIPO that they're being copied? And are you aware of any examples so far? Well, the like brand, brand logo designs re- registered at WIPO are not really found to be like, like the 
foreign brand's logo. But the product's packaging or, yeah. That, that's what I mean. So what I mean is that, okay, uh, North Korea engages with Weipo mm. to register its own trademarks and, and patents. Mm. Yeah. Other companies and other countries also engage with Weipo mm. to register their yeah. intellectual property. Yeah. Since North Korea is clearly interested in registering its trademarks with Weipo, then that could be a channel for other country, uh, other companies, for example, yeah. to bring up the Christian Dior one again. Christian Dior could approach Weipo and say, listen, here's our garment being copied in North Korea. We'd like to make a complaint about that against North Korea. Is that something that can happen? Well, I think in my theory, if they are North Korean people are exporting those products mm -hmm. in a huge amount uh, to the foreign countries mm -hmm. then they will like complain but th because they cannot really check mm, okay are there uh, advertising jingles on north korean television or radio or intranet videos so that is that also a modern part of uh, commercial capitalism in north korea yeah so north korea's media does not officially tolerate you know, advertising mm -hmm. it's uh, some they don't live Beer, Daedonggang Mekju. Yeah. It's a commercial, uh, that uh, is a beer commercial's open mentions was uh, briefly aired on the North Korean TV in 2009. Ah. The advertisement. It's a long time uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. when Kim Jong il so, was the leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a uh, Daedonggang uh, is a beer advertisement. Uh, advertisement's emphasize is uh, refreshing, so mm -hmm. feeling of the Daedong River beer. So with the music. The however, it is uh, said that Kim Jong il is very angry. When oh. he sold the advertisements at the times, mm. so it disappeared shortly after. Ah. And uh, since then, the and type what, was there of, a yeah, jingle? Yeah, 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 jingle. Da 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 da. da as a background music. Ah, yeah. but so not not yeah, like da, a. Yeah, yeah. Make you, yeah, yeah, nothing so, like that. Or? Oh, it's a fresh. Ah, she wanna da. Okay, that's, that's a, yeah. yeah. Ah, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. That and and uh, since then, that the uh, type of the advertisement mm -hmm. has no longer appeared. I see. In North Korea's uh, introduction of the product comes in the form of the news report and uh, that advertisement. Mm. For example, a product a product pair was held in Pyongyang, and the product was uh, released. This product has a uh, uh, certain functions, so. That uh, interest you drink that uh, will uh, cool up the, the, the summer heat. In the meantime, it is a form of the reporting of the product from the food factory uh, originating in the Gangwanda. That is a news, that, that's a news release, not advertisements, mm. not its uh, logo, and, and not its, uh, its uh, song, and not also sing jingle. Right. Just and uh, I know the, the concept of jingles and the brand, uh, and the brand uh, in the sign. Is uh, just and uh, uh, in these some is uh, it these some is North Korea uh, people is uh, is got it just and uh, uh, nowadays and just and North uh, Koreans that they are appeared that they are brand just and the logo and uh, some in the some just and the view and the logo and the just a sign that jingle that okay that jingle just and the sign yeah okay so let's try to uh, to sort of summarize all of your research here what. What is the, the main message? What do you think we can learn about North Korea more broadly from your research into these copycat products? Yeah, well, to me, this trend of like North Korean branding mm -hmm. illustrates that North Korean brands are not merely a product to sell in North Korean market, but also like means of North Korean propaganda to praise the like supreme leader of North Korea regime mm. because they're 
it's uh, kind of like easy to brainwash people in North Korea because they are consuming those products in their market. So yeah, I, I think I can say it like that. And if Mr. John can say same thing. Have you, have you seen any examples of the leader's face used on products? Is that ever used on product packaging or in product advertising? I've never seen that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Products. That, no. nothing. And what about nothing, the name nothing. of yeah. the leader? Is that ever used? Yeah, yeah, nothing. nothing so that nothing. has a, yeah. a, a certain uh, sacredness in North Korea that they don't use that for commercial purposes. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Uh, will you be doing any more research soon? Uh, we will continue to study North Korean brand, mm-hmm. trademark, and the intellectuals uh, property right. Currently, we have us conducting a different study on the relationship between a core relationship between North Korean foreign Polish and the international organizations and brands. And uh, the reason why we do this research is, is uh, simple. Mm-hmm. The previous study were more focused on the, uh, some macro perspective, and whereas our study is uh, more focused on the micro perspective, the focusing on the individual and the daily event. The furthermore, I want to see, we want to see the flow of the inter-Korean relationship mm-hmm. and the change on the North Korean peninsulas. Uh, we think that this is also where the peacemaking begins. Mm, okay, yep. Teddy? Yeah, uh, just one more thing about like your previous question. Mm-hmm. That if we have seen product, North Korean like copycat products in the, like, in the world market, mm-hmm. that I think it's kind of like impossible for now because uh, you you know, Bulldakbokgunmyeon, which is uh, introduced in NK News as a uh, fire ramen, yeah, is actually found in North, North Korean copycat case for like one kind. And actually, uh, do you know how many fire ramen copycats are released in uh, Chinese market? No idea. Actually, like more than like 10. Oh, wow. Okay. So maybe they are not really com- competitive mm. to like other markets, I think. Yeah, so that's what I want to say. Okay, well, thank you very much for coming on the show today. Listeners, you can find the, uh, the paper, A Study of Brand Imitation in North Korea, focusing on brand elements. Uh, you can find that in the Journal of Peace and Unification, Volume 13, Number 2. I believe that's available online. So thank you once again, Secretary General John Byung-gil and Kim Tere of the UniKorea Foundation. You can find the foundation on Twitter at UniKoreaFDN and the website at tongilnanam.com. And Tere himself is on Twitter at Tere Kim. Uh, thank you, and listen again next time. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you very yeah. much. Ever wondered what lies beyond the inter-Korean border? NK News brings you an opportunity to explore North Korea from a near distance. From October 8 to 17, 2023, journey with us on the second ever North Korea from a distance tour, visiting key border locations and observatories looking into North Korea, as well as meeting key figures working on DPRK issues. Spend two nights on the East Coast, see the beautiful Kumgang Mountains, scour the beaches near the inter-Korean border, and see Kim Il-sung's old summer house. Visit Yonpyong-do, the location of the November 2010 inter-Korean artillery bombardment. Observe North Korean hamlets from close quarters in Kanghwa and delve deep into the heart of Seoul, the capital of South Korea. Every step of the way, you'll be guided by leading NK News and Cordial Tour staff and be joined regularly for multi-day portions of the itinerary by leading experts like Andre Lankov, Chad O'Carroll, Jongmin Kim, Jack Ozwetsuk, and Gergovacci of Cordial Tours. As a special offer for our podcast listeners, quote podcast when making your booking for an exclusive 10% discount. Find out more at nknews.org tour. Once again, 
That's nknews.org tour and use the, the code podcast when booking. Let's journey into the unknown together. Ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to the end of our podcast episode for today. Our thanks go to Brian Betts and Alana Hill for facilitating this episode and to our post-recording producer genius, Gabby Magnuson, who cuts out all the extraneous noises, awkward silences, bodily functions, and fixes the audio levels. Thank you, and listen again next time.